This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And I'm speaking like a relieved man. Because I am relieved. It was about a week ago and we were sitting here panicking. There's all sorts of panic going on. Oh no, you don't want to go up, Redford. You don't want to go up. About seven days later, I can't believe how relaxed everyone. I mean, in fact, I'll have to wait, 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 Nick, wake up. Wake up, Nick. Jesus Christ, what's the matter with you? We're doing a podcast here. Snoring away. Oh, God. Just because we won two matches, you think it's now time for you to take the gear, but everything's all right, and, and you know, we, we, we'll be going up tomorrow? Is that the case? Listen, anyway, as you can see, we are enjoying our time here in, in, in wallowing in our two-game sort of uh, unbeaten run here. <laughs> um, I'm Billy Grant, and I'm sitting in a pub, which is actually one of my favourite pubs on this little tour that we do. So I thought, let's come back here again. We're at the Distillers Arms in Hammersmith. Anyone who used to go to the Hammersmith Odeon or the Apollo or anything like that, it's just literally around the corner from there. Used to be a right old dive before, and but now they've scrubbed itself right up. And especially in the summer, they've got all these little booths in the garden that you can sit in. Lovely, lovely place to hang out and uh, just with your mates, a couple of beers, a bit of tucker, do whatever else you want to do. So, uh... We're in the pub here, having a bit of a laugh, drinking a few beers, I'm drinking some red stuff, ladies drinking some brown stuff, liberals drinking some yellow stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got it's our, alcohol. Our, it's alcohol. our guest there as well, Dan as well, we'll introduce him in a minute. But listen, going around the table here, the liberal. Yeah. Good to see you back again, how are you doing? I'm good, Bill, I'm good. I'm sp- apart from spending a train journey today, on the way up I spent it with a Nottingham Forest fan, on the way down I spent it with an Ipswich fan, both of whom were complaining bitterly about how we <laughs> turned their teams over and how it was a travesty of justice. And just one thing, your introduction just then, you sounded like Wolfman Jack, that's one for the youngsters, but, you know... I've got no idea. I'm, I'm obviously too young for you, Nick. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm glad to be able to bring a bit of senior moments to this. <laughs> podcast. No, I'll, get, that's right, yeah. I'll get your slippers and your pipe later, yeah. <laughs> On the right of me, I've got Mr Dave Lane, the Laney man. How are you? Very good, mate. Very good. Um, we talk about our surrealism again, I'm sure, later on. We're bumping into Leo Sayer in the pub last night, which I'm, I'm still not quite recovered from, if I'm, if I'm honest with you. Um, but, yeah, you're right. You know, we are, we are relaxed and we are chilled. It's, it's just great to see uh, Brentford back in winning mode in the championship. It, it does, it does uh, take some of that kind of, oh, my God, you know, it's gonna be a, it's, it's, this could be a real nightmare season. Just, just seeing that we're well-equipped is uh, it's good for the mojo, Bill. Good for the mojo. And I've got my mojo under the table here as well, just in case anything goes wrong this evening. 
Tonight as well, we've got a very new podcaster on board with us, Mr. Daniel Mann. Dan Mann? Man Dan, Dan Mann. That's right, that's right. Dan the Mann is with us as well. And as we say to you, anyone out there, if you want to come on the podcast, you literally have to tweet us, email us, just say, I want to be on the podcast. We'll get you on at some Dan Mann did exactly the same thing now. Emailed us, said, please can I come on the podcast because I've heard you drink lots of beer, get really drunk and talk football. We said, that's right. So he's joining us here at the Distillers Pub tonight. Dan Mann, how are you? I'm very well, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to the podcast. And, I mean, the big thing for me is that I really enjoy walking down to the game in my shorts before it gets to February and January when you're wrapped up and cold and freezing. It's quite nice just to walk down to the ground in your shorts and T-shirt. So, yeah. January? I, I, I walked down to wearing a fleece in September the 1st. You know, <laughs> I do have to say, there are certain Brentford fans that do wear shorts, whatever the weather. Mm. Whatever the weather. So they're not, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the really loyal ones. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably, yeah. probably, probably raw. So we've already discovered within a few seconds that Dan Mann is not as loyal as he makes him out to be. <laughs> but, but that's not our problem. But, but anyway, listen. We welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> we played two matches in a few matter a few days. We played Ipswich on Saturday. Ipswich were a bit of a bogey team to us. They all seemed to do us over, except for when we went up there in March, and uh, we did them good and proper. And then Forest came down again, and it's the flip side because we always do them good and proper. They never look forward to playing us. We had pretty good results over the two of them. We're going to talk about that maybe a little bit later. But before we do that, we're going to go back to the pubs where everyone. We're talking about the game, both Ipswich and Forest and Brentford fans. We're talking about those games in the pub after the game. Well, I, I, th- I was expecting us to get tonked today because I'm a pessimist. So I was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought we looked, I, looked, I thought we looked solid. That was the most important thing because I was saying earlier, Mick McCarthy teams are the sort of teams we normally get bullied and pushed around by, and we didn't get bullied and pushed around by them in any way whatsoever. Why is that though? I, th- I think because we got. Well, I think the defence looked like. Men, men, rather than boys, like they have done in previous seasons. So we've Harley Green's, Harley Dean's grown up, and we've got Egan, who's used well, to Egan, dealing with this. Egan looked really good. I mean, Egan, I think a, he was perfect for set pieces. I mean, what, what, quite why he was there to follow up on the second one, though, I don't know. But, <laughs> um, but, the, the, but I mean, the set pieces today, I thought was like uh, McLeod was. I think took our set pieces, and we scored from a corner. Um, and I can see why we signed McLeod now after today. Kind of, he looked, he looked the part. I think he looked, and, it's, and our set piece, our corners definitely were better. I mean, McCarthy will be furious because we scored from two set pieces, so that's all good. So, the, so about the game plans, all we do is hoof all the time. It's not pleasant to watch. So, so yeah. So you're not happy with the way that you play your football? I haven't been for the last few years, bit Billy. But yeah. So also, Nick McCarthy out, or you just think you just you need to change up the, 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 the flip the script? Well, I'm 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 a McCout man, me. I know many of his fans disagree with me on that. But Do you disagree with him on the McCout? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I just think before he took over, he was he's taken us from like bottom of the league when he took over to like a playoff competing side. So yeah, I think it's all right. So are you happy with the football you played like today? Uh, uh, well, the football we played for years has been terrible, even beyond Nick. So. Yeah, we've just been grinding out results, really. But I don't know what's going to change. Whether so, we... so you're not happy? You mean, if, if, if Klopp came in, would you not be happy with that? Sorry? Klopp. But Jürgen Klopp came in, you wouldn't be happy with that, no? Oh, right. Oh, yeah, if he... Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Get, get in Pep, sure. Yeah, yeah all right. Yeah. Um, but no, I think, just think, yeah, Mick, he's just done... I think he's done a good job since he's been here. Yeah, yeah from... Hasn't spent much money. 
well, if any money. And yeah, he's taking us to uh, yeah, there or thereabouts of the playoffs. Once we sort of that confidence, you could see it sort of getting a grip after sort of 10, 20 minutes. The ball was starting to be knocked about a little bit more. I think Ipswich were always just trying to knock it long, knock it long. And I think we sort of just stuck at it, stuck at it. And then we started to get into our own game, the way we like to play. I thought McLeod grew into the game, Sawyers particularly. I said to Russ after 20 minutes, I thought he was coming too deep to try and find the ball. And then the longer went the game went on, he sort of stayed higher up the pitch and just found little pockets of space and was moving it. Clark grew into the game. I say there wasn't a bad player on the pitch really today, so that's the positive. I was a bit of a critic of Dean Smith last year. I was disappointed. I thought our football was predictable, slow, no real impact to it. But he changed things around towards the end of last year. I know we've been looked a little bit dodgy in the friendlies and maybe last week against Huddersfield wasn't too good, but I think today... I'm not knocking Josh McCracken, but I think he's just a bit of a crab-like sideways player, and I think he slows everything down far too much. And bringing in Nico for him made a massive difference. We're lacking a lot of steel at the moment. Like you say, Mick McCarthy teams are, are hard to play against. Uh, we're always going to come and be very tough, but today we weren't. And at the moment, we've not got enough players showing up and showing that steel that McCarthy brings. I'm not going to point fingers at who that is, McCarthy, the players, but you've seen it for yourself today. We didn't have it today and we didn't play to our strengths. That's the end of it. Started well, yeah, certainly on top in the first half. Um, took, took the goal well and just about held on. Well, no, I mean, fundamentally, I think the first half wasn't very good, but second half, I don't think, apart from you hitting the crossbar, and your goal, which rolled over the line, I mean, you played all right. You, you've obviously set yourself up to get a 1-0 win today, which is fair play, but, like, last 20 minutes, it was just a matter of time, but we just couldn't get that final ball. But we haven't got anything up front, so... But Brent, fair play, Brentford, for... You know, he sat back, he did well. We got away with murder today. Yes, that's right. We got away with murder, but uh, you know what? It's all right. It's, uh, I'm happy with that, and uh, we'll take it uh, for next time. I, I was a little bit disappointed by uh, Sawyer losing a lot of first balls, and I think it kind of... Um, it, needs, it needs to be more time to get into the team, so we, we didn't get enough sort of uh, momentum going in midfield. Uh, I think Woods was doing everything he could just to keep it going, but I think it was... Uh, we, we, we had two, three touches, and then we kind of started to lose. It. So, um, yeah, I didn't feel... Um, and then towards the end, you know, we were wondering what's going on, you know. We had Sawyer being very tired. No no, um, no substitution. What was happening? You know, you should have listened to the crowd, get more players in. We got lucky, we got a red card, and I think uh, we get away with murder today. We we had a few nails beaten at the end. I think we needed to go through that, to be honest with you. We, we proved that we didn't buckle. We can we can soak it up. I think the defence was pretty, pretty, pretty rock solid. I thought Bentley, he saves us two points right at the end. That save was world class. Um, they say a good goalkeeper will save you or earn you 15 points over the season. There's two of them. Um, I don't think we created enough up front. McLeod's shot rattled the bar, which hopefully, you know, which would have been great if it made it two. Um, but I, I really think the, that Sawyer's probably should have been subbed. Um, he looked like he was blowing towards the end. I thought that was uh, that could have come back and bitten 
uh, Smith, if he if we'd had conceded, um, then I, I think people would have been saying, why didn't we make a couple more subs? But you know, we're not going to get 100% match fit unless you kind of go the extra mile. And uh, you know, we really dug deep today, and I think we'll we need to now go to Rotherham and 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 build on that. You know, so um, so. Uh, yeah, so you know we need to do it all over again on Saturday. It's really important that we go to Rotherham and we win again. So it's always really interesting listening back to the fans in the pub after the game, straight after the game. So it's the real heartfelt feelings, what they think, and and, and they, 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 don't, they, they don't say two minds. They just say exactly what they think. So we listen back to the fans there, and they gave a number of thoughts. But I'm going to go around the table here as well because. Uh, Everyone learnt from those games, I'm sure. And I'm just wondering, from those two games, the Ipswich and the Forest games, what were the three things that you learnt from those two matches, Nick? Um, one, the, the, our crowd hasn't yet got into this season, hasn't started this season. Um, we haven't, you know, the, 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 the loyal few at the back of the Ealing Road have been... Uh, um, trying, trying to lead a bit, but the new road and the uh, and the paddock need to the, uh, the the paddock as it was, whatever it's now called, need to step up to the mark because I noticed we've been outsung twice by the fa- the away fans. Who you know, fair play to them, they've been good, but you know, it, it cannot be helpful to our team to be hearing the away fans cheering them on with silence and polite applause and there was even there was even a bit of booing at half time actually in the game on Saturday and that, that, that was naughty we so, did pull you up on it though Nick didn't we I, I, I never I never boo I never boo the players until the end of the game um, to second second is that is what's really interesting is that both uh, Forest and Ipswich came down to stop us playing I mean you'd expect that of Ipswich Ipswich are a cloggers team through Mick McCarthy you know they like like to try and cripple the odd player now and again Forest I thought were pretty dirty last night as well um, as well as being dirty they also were throwing themselves to the ground on several <laughs> occasions which really really annoys me makes me makes me mad that gets me booing and shouting at the away fans and third one is the fitness of the players are we actually up to full fitness and what so what went on in Germany that's the question I asked myself you know did they go out there for a well, you, you know pre did you learn so you obviously didn't learn about their fitness did you no I have no I've learned I've learned I've learned that I'm not sure that the team is entirely 100% up to full season that's fitness a that's a cheat because you said you've learned but you learn but you don't really know so you haven't really learned have you <laughs> well I've learned that I don't know but I mean I've learned that I don't know lots of things in my life so it doesn't make much difference there <laughs> man um, just picking up what Nick said I think I've learned that I think we can cope with big physical teams as Nick said you know Nottingham came down and they were physical they were diving all over the place you know l- kicking lumps out of our players but we coped with it really well I think you know considering it's only what the third game in I think that does help us go leading into the most of the season uh, also uh, Daniel Bentley the goalkeeper quality I think we are, we've We've done well getting him, and he's going to save us a lot of points, I think, this season. Uh, and Josh Clark is one pass away from being an absolute legend at Griffin Park, I think. If he could just have that last pass to Hogan at the top, I think it'd be quality. So, yeah. I'm sorry, a little loo from you then. It was a... Yeah, yeah, big, big call. I mean, interesting. I thought, you know, Josh Clark, he's done well, but I think he is... He's playing in one of those positions that we need to think about whether we need to bring in some support for him because whether he'll last the entire season, I don't know. Or, or he might just need another three games. He's one, that might be that might be the solution. He, he may be the solution. He might not be 
right now, but he might be might be moving that way. He might be. And, and your three thoughts, like well, my three my three thoughts. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my, my first one again is kind of just related. It's, it's, it's having a wide man works and, and shows how competitive we are all over the pitch. Really, where we probably Josh Clark is maybe a slightly weak link um, in, in terms of experience, um, but because we've got the right shape and we've got an outlet, he, he may not be the the, the the you know the finished article by a long stretch as as a winger, um, but have, having that structure and having that shape to our team, it allows. It allows us to be more solid as, a, as a, an 11-man unit. Um, I've learned that Harley Dean is coming of age. Um, I think that in the first three games, in, well, in, in all of the games, we've looked really strong in the air at the back. Um, he won pretty much everything um, at Exeter. Um, yesterday against Forest, I thought I thought he, he was captain. I'm not, I, I still I still think Bielen's going to be the long-term captain, and I, and I still think um, the best best player in the team I think is Colin. Um, but you know I, I think Harley Dean seems to be maturing as a player. Although there was a petulant stamp which no one's ever talked about away at Exeter, we will, we will move on from that. But that that if the referee has seen it, he may have got red carded for that. Um, and the other thing I've learned so far this season is Huddersfield uh, are probably better than we gave them credit for after the after the first game. You know, I think we went there expecting them to be fodder after beating them 5-1. Um, they've had three very very impressive results, and maybe they're the early season form team. I, I, they, they, haven't, they haven't got the legs to, to go up, but you know, like Brighton were last year, they they, they put up a head of steam and they started off really well. So um, yeah, I think our, our defeat against Huddersfield may be not as bad as it seemed that day. It's interesting as well, I'll just say that Huddersfield at the beginning of the season, before the season started, was actually tipped by a member of, uh, of, the, of the, the, the coaching staff Ian to be, yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, <laughs> definitely not Ian Holloway um, at Brentford as being a team to watch out for because they thought that they, uh, they built they, they uh, built really well and also their training system and their manager is actually on, on board so I think that we were watching out for them. But coming back to my good self, the three things that I, uh, I learned from the the, the two matches and I think it's very straightforward I mean you mentioned it yourself lady to a certain extent Dean and Elder I think work very well together it's almost like we've come back to almost like a traditional um, centre back pairing which does what it says on the tin balls come into the middle we get headed out we get defended very very well we look sort of a lot more solid from set pieces a lot more solid from when the when the balls come into the area and that is you know it just makes your heart flutter a lot less uh, Nick. and it's a real traditional pairing because then one of them goes up for a corner and scores from them Indeed, that's true. Do you think, partially, I agree a million percent with you there, do you think some of that is because we're starting to kick it longer? The ball from Bentley is being pushed further down, so they're, they're, not, they're not putting pressure on the defence from, from the rolling out from the goalkeeper. They're, they're, they're just defending more. They're not actually starting moves as much. I, I, I mean, you could say that if they're constantly thinking about what they're doing, but I'm thinking about more about when the team comes on the, the attack or the counter-attack and the ball comes into the centre of the area and all of a sudden it's like the ball's actually getting out and it's getting clear and literally people were throwing bodies in yesterday. It was absolutely brilliant. And uh, we saw this before, I think it was probably about a season or a season and a half ago, um, or maybe a couple of seasons ago, where Harley Dean actually plays... He does up his game when he's playing with a particular type of player, a decent centre back beside him. Like you know, I think it was maybe when he used to play with Tony again, Tony Gray, who was quite organised as well. And I think sometimes when he used to play with him, sometimes he used to be better than when he used to play sometimes with Tarky and stuff like that. We like Tony Gray. 
Well, yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we love Harley Dean. We, we liked Tony Craig, apparently. That is what the song went, and that was a long time ago as well. I mean, we still do, because Harley Dean is one of our boys, you know what I'm saying? Lots of people love Harley Dean. Yeah, they do. but we were always, Not, we were yeah. always like Tony Craig. Yes, that's right, that's right. So listen, the second thing that I learnt, which is a lot of questions are being asked about that, about the Brentford team, but we have spunk. The team has a bit of <laughs> spunk, right, is the word that they say. That's a first <laughs> And that means, you know, that the team, when we saw them, they absolutely tore in and they, they, they threw in players behind the ball. And some of the people were worrying, especially the first three matches, when they were tip-tapping the ball around and they didn't have much energy. But yesterday, when Forrest were coming at us, literally, it was like blood and thunder. And we thought, yes, the Brentford team. A few more, few more kind of uh, coming at us. <laughs> <laughs> Now listen, it's all you. It's your minds. Listen, 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 listen. Just forget these guys. You know, you could tell that they've been locked in a box for a few days. You know? And then the third thing that I was going to say as well is Nico Yanaris. I know I bang on about him a lot, but it's almost like the, the, the Nico Yanaris is he is the man. And the fact is that it goes to show you that Nico, he's still obviously not fully fit. I mean, he got substituted yesterday, and he was huffing and puffing, and the the, the, the midfield fell apart to a certain extent in the second half. But he is a key player for us, and you can see his enthusiasm. He's jumping in all over the place, breaking up tackles, playing the passes out there. And also, he's not afraid to have a shot, is he? Cool, blimey, you know. And some rasping shots as well. Nico is a key player for us, which you would have never said that even four or five months ago. Well, I, I, I think this is a sign of how how things have improved over the last couple of weeks. Is when you when you pick pick three positives or three things you've learned, someone says Nico Unaris, and you're all sitting there nodding our heads, going, "Oh God, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Nico Unaris." And you know, Woodsy as well. Woodsy put in a massive shift last night, and you know, there's, there there are there are plus, we're still we're still a long way from the finished article. We're not we're not sort of waxing lyrical, and we're and we're not we're not saying that we are going to go up or we're, we're guaranteed a playoff place, but you know, it, it's it, the last two games have really seemed to have ignited the season. The only thing that worries me about Woods is that he seems to have got a bit of bite into him this season. And what worries me is that he'll get sent off, actually, because I thought last night he was straying very much round the edges of getting sent off. But, uh, right, but that is exactly what McCormack would have done, exactly what Dougie would have done. Yeah. So you, need, you need that kind of bit nasty edge. Yeah, but that's not, yeah, it's not, it's, not a criti- it's not a criticism per se, but Woods is such a creative player that can we afford to have him, you know, in that enforced a role for want of a better word you know rather than actually stroking the ball around and he's playing it playing it through you talk about me just stroking anyway let's go. yeah no just just to pick on that I put about Woods you know he was just bossing that midfield as I said earlier you know there were some big players that Nottingham had and he wasn't afraid to get stuck in and that that's good you know he's not afraid of the bigger older lumps that are in this league and to play like that I think it's going to be good for us long term and I mean, it's interesting because we talked about Woods, we talked about Yanaris, and we haven't had much mention of um, Romain Sawyers, who Romain Sawyers, again, thought he had a good game on Saturday, had a not so good a game today, or yesterday, or against, uh, against, against Forrest. But, you know, is it one of those things, don't forget he's come up from the lower divisions, does everyone expect him to hit the ground running every single game, or is there something about him? 
championship football is is different different to Division One football, and I think we've got to you know accept he's going to go through periods. People were a bit down on on Solis. I thought he made some nice touches yesterday. I thought he was pretty solid and consistent, and he was still running actually towards the end of the game. I wouldn't before you know. I would have him. You know, I'd have him on. Well, interesting because I mean, Romain Sawyer's like I said to you, he's what we know as a Marmite player. What we're going to do is that we're going to have a little discussion now about Marmite players and opening up new old wounds <laughs> and seeing how Romain Soyes and all these other players, their thoughts and how us Brentford fans think about Marmite players. And can you think of any other Marmite players who played in the red and white stripes? Tasty, tasty Marmite. Well, to some people it's tasty. Other people think, ugh, that horrible, salty, nasty stuff. I'm not having any of it. Some Marmite players. I mean, Romain Sawyers. Saw him playing up at Rotherham. And I thought, i tell you something, he's quite a clever player, isn't he? I actually saw him playing up at Huddersfield. The thing is, I got out of my time walk sort of machine <laughs> from Rotherham because I actually saw him play at Rotherham. He was brilliant at Rotherham, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, he will be. But to me, he was brilliant at Rotherham. But at Huddersfield, we saw him play up at Huddersfield and uh, I thought, tell you something, he's quite a clever little player, that Sawyers. Done a few little moves, a few little skills, everything like that. Yeah, okay, we lost up there. But you could see what he was up to. Somebody turned around to me and said, I ain't sure about that Sawyers. You know, he's a bit of a Marmite player. Some will like him, some will hate him. So we thought, listen, players like Sawyers opening up old wounds who get mixed receptions. You get myths that are built up about them. People around the world turn around and say, oh, that player, he's brilliant, isn't he? But all the fans turn around and go, actually, we watch him week in and week out, and actually he's not all that. Lazy players, not so good players fast players who are slow, slow players who are fast. I'm just wondering, like, you know, around the table here, are there any Marmite players of yours that you know that played in the red and white stripes? Mr Liberal, Nick. Right, first things first. Marmite needs to be in glass jars, not squeezy bottles, Okay, That is a disgrace. And Marmite, what are you doing? You know... Glass jars only. Moving Glass on. jars only. Yeah, yeah. Moving on. My Marmite player. People will. People who know me well will already guess what it is. It's it's Harley. I mean, you know, I blow absolutely hot and cold about Harley. Sometimes I think he's, you know, the best centre back Brentford have ever had. Sometimes I want to, you know, when jump you, over. Sometimes I want to jump over the fence of the Ealing Road Terrace and go and shake him by the throat because, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll pay to see that, won't we? Fuck it, I love to <laughs> Because, so, you know, he, uh, you know, uh, he just blows so hot and cold and, you know, and you were saying earlier about Harley. I think I think Harley plays really well when he's got a very good centre back alongside him. And I think that's why this season Harley Dean could possibly have one of the best seasons of his career because he's got Egan and he's got Belen to come back actually. And I think the jostling that we got for the centre back position is going to be really interesting. So Harley Dean is my Marmite player as long as he plays in the glass jar. Then uh, Carly Osborne for me. I think, yeah, I, I liked him. I know he was prone to the odd mistake, but I think he was just at a very awkward time in Brentford history. He kind of was there when in the old, and then when the new came in, he was kind of shuffled out, and I think he was a bit unlucky. I think he could have had a couple more seasons as a solid centre-back. I think he was, a, as I said, he was a solid centre-back, and he would make the odd mistake, and there was no thrills with him, but he was good. I think, you know, and the people around me at the time, you know, 
you'll be hearing things. I think actually that's a bit harsh. I think he, he, was, he was a no nonsense. He'd get on with it, a bit like what Jack Bidwell used to do. Bidwell used to do, just do a job, no flair, but just do the job. And but to, to be fair to Carly though, he actually we wanted him to stay and he wanted to leave. Oh, I, I, I didn't know that. I, I, I thought he was kind of shuffled out when when Benham took over and new players were brought in. But yeah, I mean. I, I generally thought he was definitely a Marmite player. Among these stands, it was a bigger challenge. Where did he go? He went to he went to, he went to Millwall, and they were, I think they were in the division above us, didn't they? Yeah, they were. I think Carly was one of those players who was actually um, seduced by the bright lights. I think he was offered more money to get a Millwall, and he was one of the first ones to go. Come back with Bristol City and scored against us, yeah, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers. Still beating that night, though, didn't we? <laughs> I think we, we tonked them like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah was that was Jet Jet play for them. Jet Jet, you know, Jet. No, you don't. Yeah. J Emmanuel Thomas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. One, two, or three. Um, for me, well, I mean, I, think, I, I, I do like this question because it, what it does, um, you know, obviously football's all about opinion. Um, the best podcast is about opinion, and it shows that, that, that one, especially for the lawyers. Yeah, no, no, but it, it shows you how kind of players' reputations are kind of built up on on sometimes not not actually much. So, like reputation and kind of uh, yeah, just just people's perceptions of them you know you can be a lazy player a fast player and it's kind of based on what sometimes and I think um, I think Sawyer's is, is kind of he could be he could be sort of being dragged into being pigeonholed um, I think let's give him another five six games before we make any opinions of him um, but for me I think I think Swift from last season is, is, is one that's properly Marmite and I think they call them players players sometimes where only, a, only technically you're only you've got to be a player to understand how good a player is so everyone else is going actually god you, you're crap but you know but a, a player you have to, got to be a player before you realize that someone's technically that gifted um josh mccreckron can probably fall into that category as well where um we're not seeing probably what they're seeing in training in on a match day we're going you're weakening our team you're a bit of a liability but whether whether the formation's not right for him and whether the whether the setup of the team, I don't know. But you know, I think he's he's probably the Marmite player that we're stuck with in a in a glass jar. I mean, I always thought the problem with Swift was is that uh, his attitude was all wrong. Yes, technically, and he was a good footballer, but the, the vibe I got that he his attitude was just wrong, and that was that that was his downfall. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, that was my opinion. What 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 you're you're saying that he thought he was too big for the team? Yeah, things like that. You know, or playing for little Tim Pot Brentford, that sort of thing. I don't know. I mean, that's well, that's that's the vibe I said from looking at things like Twitter and. Hearing like he was, what you guys have said on the podcast, you, you got the impression that he felt he was doing us a favour by being yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that, maybe that's not. Maybe there's some truth in that to a certain degree. Um, and and I'll, I'll say one, one more, which you know, it pains me to say. I, I think, I think Sam Saunders might be falling into that category. He's done. He's played 200 games for Brentford, and I don't think you could, you can, you can ever knock him for what he's done. And he is kind of the elder statesman, although he's not that old. Um, and, and he's, he's, he's really. You know, I, in my opinion, justifiably on a pedestal at Brentford, but there are some around me that that kind of moan when he comes on now, and I, I, I don't I don't quite get it. And that's not, it's not my definition of Marmite. That I, that's kind of shows you how brutal football can be. It almost it doesn't matter what you've done; it's what you're doing now. Sam Saunders is this generation's Kevin O'Connor. 
we used to, you know, we used to stand there and applaud Kev O'Connor and the loyalty that he showed to the club. Since Kev's, since Kev's gone, gone, gone to a higher place and makes me sound, makes it sound like he's died. But you know, well, we, we, since he's, he's working with the academy kids and there couldn't be anything better. Oh, sorry, not the academy, with the younger uh, professionals that we have, and there couldn't be anybody better to install because he is Mr. Brentford. Um, you know, Sam Saunders is going to replace that and, and do that. And I think that's why I'm really glad every time I see uh, Saunders in the match day squad because if there's any one player who's going to get the team up and make them understand what it is to be a Brentford player it's Sam Saunders just a shame Sam you didn't do it against Exeter but never mind and for me I mean Marmot players I mean I'm going to I'm standing on the other side of the table now because I know the boxing gloves might come out However, there's one Marmite player out there who I think is absolutely brilliant. The best player that we should never have sold, Mr. Will Grigg. Ah, yes. See, listen, the, the guys don't like it because it's, it's, it's all... OK, see, I've got Dan Man. You can come back on every week, Dan Man. You're the, you're the man, you know what I'm saying? Um, Will Grigg, he wasn't given the chance... Will Grigg was at Brentford and he was injured and he, he came into the side and he didn't get the nine months that all these players had and the, the season that all these other players had last season when we brought them in and we had no other opportunity but just to play them and throw them in the side and people were moaning about them in January and February and March, you know, still three or four or five months later. Will Grigg didn't have that. He was thrown out the side after a few months, sent over to Franchise FC, scored about three million goals in about two games and then we brought him back still and then we said, Hmm, should we sell him or should we not? And then Wigan took him, we sold him to Wigan, and then he scored about three million and four goals for them. And now he's in our divisions. Will Grigg is the ultimate Marmite player because when you look at him, the way that he plays and his vibe, oh, I don't know, but he, he scores goals. And to me, when you've got a striker that scores goals, you can't do nothing about that, man. So when, they come, so when he comes down, you'll be in the away end, will you? <laughs> Griffin Park and cheering him on. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I, I, I respect a player who, who does the business, you know what I mean? <laughs> if we had Will Gregg, he, that meant that he may have may have interfered with Andre Gray. Andre Gray always always better than Will Gregg. Hogan better than Will Gregg. So we play, we play one up we play one up front. He would have still been a sub. He would never have scored those goals. It, it suited him to leave. It suited us to leave. It suited me to leave. <laughs> I, I I thought I think I think he's a good pro. I think he's a, a steady goal scorer. Some players just don't work out for you. It was it was a good move for us. We tripled our money. Um, so you know, good luck to him. But uh, I'm glad he left. I'm just saying he's a Marmite player, and obviously he is around this table. Probably the most Marmite because, in fact, uh, he's probably the best example of a player you could talk, you could probably talk about for six or seven hours and still be be separated on him. And I think we have. And indeed, indeed. And to be fair, he's got his own song, and it was top ten in the charts. But anyway. <laughs> And uh, he was probably glad he left just because of that. Anyway, listen, Marmite players, if anyone out there knows any Marmite players, we haven't tried this before. You could tweet in or maybe email in or send something in on Facebook because there's probably plenty of other examples of Marmite players in the 70s and the oh, liberal. Or, yeah, or, or come on the podcast and make a good case for a Marmite player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, other yeast-based um, spreadable spreads are available, by the way. Oh, no, 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 no. If we're moving on to Bovril players, <laughs> oh, wow. 
Oh, da, da, da. We have got enough hours in the day. The similarity to Bovril and Marmite is quite, it's quite minimal, actually. You know? but anyway, listen, Marmite players, like I said to you, send us your Marmite players, or if, you're, if you are a Marmite player, even, it, it'd be good to have you on the podcast, wouldn't it? Nick, what's your favourite yeast extract? <laughs> Something, something, something with alcohol in it. <laughs> anyway, we shall move on. And we are going to move on to another little section, which is Hang the BJ. So Marmite players, we've talked all about the Marmite players, but we've got on here one person who played for Brentford who certainly was not a Marmite player. Very popular on the pitch, very popular off the pitch. Players loved him, fans loved him, everyone loves him. He still comes back to Brentford and people still love him. He's the top boy and what he's going to do, he's going to talk to us in our little new little section, our musical section called Hang the BJ. Mr Marcus Gale, let's bring him on. Hi, my name is Marcus Gale and I played left wing, occasional striker for Brentford from the year... 1988 to 1994 and my second spell was 2005 to 2006. After football I now hold a season ticket at Brentford. This is my second season now holding a season ticket. Prior to that I've helped to develop a football training camp in South London. It's called Full Time Football. We train three mornings a week and we try and help players improve their, their standards, their level and hopefully try and push them into the pro game. Amongst other things, I work for Kick It Out, and myself and Troy Townsend, we go up to, well, up and down the country to, to various ac- academies, and talk to the age groups between 10 and 21, talking about discrimination and how they need to act, and all these sort of, sorts of things that can help them, and, and just guide and support them through their, their young career. My funniest moment, my funniest Brentford moment. Well, that can only be one moment that I can never ever forget, and nor can the player. The player's name is Keith Jones. We played a home match. Keith Jones has scored, celebrated. We run back to the halfway line, and then I see Keith running off the pitch. I'm like, where the hell is he going? But what Keith has not told anybody until after the game was, is that as he was celebrating, he farted. But unfortunately, he followed through into his shorts. So he was running off the pitch to go and change his nasty shorts. What was going through my head when we played Newcastle in that match back in 1992? Well, Newcastle, big game. Big team looking to get promoted into the newly formed Premier League. uh, Live on TV. I think I was put through in the I think second half of that game. Clean through, around the edge of the box. I think everyone's expecting me, my teammates, my manager, the fans especially, like take a touch and just unleash your left foot. But I don't know what was going through my head, probably way too much. And um, I fluffed my lines, um, unfortunately. We lost the game, can't remember the score. And um, I tried to forget that weekend as quick as possible, to be honest. But um, yeah, it was great just to play a team of that calibre at that time. The player who I rated the most at my time at Brentford, I think there was two. I've named one of them already. But first I want to talk about a mentoring winger for me, which was Neil Smiley. Neil Smiley was a great individual. Um, 
great at taking players on, work rate, attitude. He looked after his body so well at his age. He inspired me to like be just like him or, or try and push beyond him. Uh, it was a pleasure to play in the same team as him, but he offered such great advice. Um, I've mentioned Keith Jones before as well, another player, you know, he came in from Chelsea at the time when we got him. And again, he was always on me in a, in a good way. He saw I had potential and he always encouraged that to come out. He gave me some solid advice one game where the fullback was trying to rough me up and he said, Daly, hit first, ask questions later. And I just took that on board because of my size on the left wing. I needed to kind of obviously dominate my opponent. But um, yeah, thanks to Keith Jones, he, he taught me a few good, few good lessons. And I was his boot boy, by the way, as well. So he had to give me something back because the, the boot boy money wasn't that great. The biggest jokers at Brentford at my time, Billy Manuel. I would definitely say Billy Manuel. And previously before him, I would say Andy Feely. But I think the common denomination is they're both fullbacks and they were both as mad as hell. I think Andy Feely, he was from up north, so he had that northern swagger and a way of doing things. And um, he kept everybody on their toes um, with his practical jokes. Billy, I think his big influence was Gazza at the time, because he was at Tottenham at the same time as Paul Gascoigne. And um, I think he had a massive influence with Billy. Billy would do all silly things, but he meant it in the best taste. There was not, no animosity or anything, but he's a lovely lad. Um, he's still around. Hopefully we can get him down at Griffin Park to, to say hi to everybody, because he was a, a good influence for the, for the team and the squad at that time. Did seeing Usain Bolt win the Olympic gold this week remind me of my time playing for the Reggae Boys? It did to a point, but this is an individual, a fantastic individual that no one will probably surpass. Um, but the impact he ma he's made for Jamaica and the Caribbean, of course, is immense. What he's doing for athletics, again, as a role model, it's this unbelievable stuff that he's doing. But what it kind of brought back to my time with the Reggae Boys was the colours, how people respond to you. Everybody wants to know you, which is, which is great. Um, it brings a lot of joy, a lot of peace, a lot of calm in the Caribbean when someone from Jamaica, whether it's Usain Bolt or the Reggae Boys, if you're performing well, it has a massive effect on the, on the country itself. My most memorable Brentford moment, I'm trying to think now, there's probably two. The first one, I think back in 19... 89, we played a youth cup match against Man United in front of two and a half thousand Brentford fans. That, that day was, or that night was goosebumps for everybody. Um, we managed to beat them. I think I managed to, to help dislocate Kotso Moabi's um, shoulder in our celebration. I didn't mean it. I, I, I swear, I didn't mean it. He was lying on the floor. I was just offering him my hand you know, to get, get him back up. Um, but my hand kind of pulled his, his hand and out came his shoulder um, which didn't go down too well but hopefully he's forgiven me over that the second moment well it's got to be the last game of the season up at Peterborough 1992 going there with, with just moments to go to win this title great atmosphere by our travelling fans 
I don't really remember too much of the game itself. It's all a blur because the activities after, <laughs> the party music, everything was um, excellent. But there, we finally made it. Made it to the League One, not League One, but Division One, which is now Championship level. Um, we had a great time. Number nine, the tune that most reminds me of Brentford is, well, if you can listen carefully, it's playing in the background. This is Cool and the Gang and Celebration. Now, this song, by the time we got back on that bus from Peterborough, this is one of the first songs that was blasted out through the little speakers. I'm sitting there next to Chris Hewton, who we call H, and... Um, he started smoking a cigar on the, on the on the bus next to him and asked him what he was doing, but he said it's not every day you win the league daily. Not every day. And he carried on puffing his cigar to this song and it it's always stuck with me, that little moment. I wanna thank you for your time. You'll probably catch me at the next home game at Griffin Park. Griffin Park's this place that I think it was the first professional club I ever walked into. And it made a big impact on my, on my development, not just as a player, but as a person as well. And that's why I'm a current season ticket holder with my missus. And we, she loves coming down there. She, she feels the warmth of all the fans, the staff. She loves watching the, the boys play. And um, yeah, I can't wait to get back to the, the league form that we're on. Two wins out of two at home. Two clean sheets. Long may that continue. And last but not least... Come on, you bees! A massive thank you to Marcus Gale. Absolutely massive. I'm not going to mention anything else with massive other than thank you for Marcus Gale because we've moved on. Those days were reckon the 90s and this is like now later. Marcus Wicked, that is actually weird. I'm maybe chuckling away, mate. I can see you you were obviously dancing along to that tune while you were... You were you, it's like you had your DJ microphone and you were just dropping those lines. But anyway, Marcus Gale, celebration time. Everyone knows that. Griffin Park, original tune. Every time we used to win, we used to play that tune. Anyway, Leo Sayer. I mean, talk about Marcus Gale, we're moving on to Leo Sayer. Because as we said, he was at Griffin Park on Tuesday night, standing at the bar, drinking pints of pride. Very, very strange. We're going to be talking about Leo Sayer, surreal moments, and the 70s. We're inside the pub, and uh, who do I come across? But it's a super, super bee, the man called Leo Sayer. The Sayer, how are you how doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? It's all good. It's all good. Listen, good result today, wasn't it? It was fantastic. And on my first Brentford game, really, because I've been following the club for a while, because uh, basically I've got some nice connections here with Paul and Jan, who look after my business over here, because I live in Australia now. Oh, right, OK. Yeah, so, um, so I've really come over. I'm coming over to do some summer gigs. Right. We're playing in Handley at the weekend. Oh, lovely. Uh, rewind. Uh, tickets. Um, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, so what, um, So what? this was a chance to come and see the guys, right, see so, it for real, and so, I was very, very impressed. So, I mean, the football that they've been playing, because obviously you sort of think, oh, lower league football. You no, 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 the last... Uh, I've been following for the last five, five eight years yeah. and seen all the growth, and it's been fantastic. It's great to see this because becoming a major club. Excellent. So listen, I mean, Bees it's came out... going up last year, in fact. That's right, that's right. Yeah. So Bees came out today, Forrest came, and, and, you know, they came out. They played some decent football as well, didn't they, Forrest? Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad game for both halves, but uh, for both sides. But um, 
But basically, I think that the, the bees' attitude is very attacking. It's really good football. It's great to watch, and they pick up their chances when they can. Excellent. So listen, Mr. Leo Say, I mean, you live in Australia, <laughs> but do you actually know that there's actually an Australian version of the bee supporters out there as well? I've I've heard about this. Yes, yeah, somebody told me earlier on today about it when I told when I said I was coming. I announced it That's on Facebook, and I got all this. We've got a bees club out here. Yeah. So what we're going to do is us as besotted, we're going to hook you up so that every time the bees are playing, Absolutely. you'll all get together in definitely, a bar outside definitely. there. All wearing red and white That's and right. ready. That's right. And give it the last. <laughs> Leo Sayers, good to see you. And nice good to, to see be you. here, man. Yeah, good stuff. Excellent. Thanks, Billy. Tuesday night in a pub around Brentford. It was actually the Griffin. Walked inside there, went to get a drink. Somebody said to me, you need to chat to this man beside. I was going to turn around to him. I looked at him and I was about to say to him, you look like a shit Leo Sayer. <laughs> the fact is that he actually was Leo Sayer. <laughs> this is all due respect. If you're listening, Leo, it's, I'm not saying it, but you know what it's like. You, know, you don't expect to see Leo Sayer standing at a bar in Brentford with a Brentford staff and he had all banners and he was talking Brentford. Um, was so he wasn't dancing, actually, no. He felt like it. Yeah, he did feel like it as well. So, um, it was a very surreal moment, it has to say. Was, so, he, was he dressed in a clown's costume? No, he wasn't, no. So, I'm just going to say, because, like, you know, surreal moments when you just turn up somewhere and you're not quite sure whether or not it is what you're seeing or what's going on around you is really real. And I want to know, around the table here, boys, is there any surreal moment that you've had that you can talk about, Laney? Surreal Brentford moment. I, I have a few. He's followed Brentford for as long as I have. There's, there's going to be there's going to be a few. But the one that really jumps out is uh, when I was doing Cult Bees and Legends Volume One. Um, I, I, I interviewed I interviewed um, pretty much mo- most of most of my favourite players in the, in Volume One. Terry Terry Herlock. I was so proud to have tracked him down, and he and he granted me permission. You know what Terry is like. He's an intimidating guy, and he granted me an audience with him. And I, I turned up at Loughton in Essex. And that, an audience with Laney, was it? Like a TV show? Well, it was, yeah, no, it wasn't like that. I, t- <laughs> I turned up at this house in Loughton and he had um, a, a Union Jack, it was during the World Cup, and he had a Union Jack out uh, pinned to the roof of his house, which was the full length of his house. So I, w- I walked through this and his wife greeted me. What's the Rottweiler's Similar. Uh, he's the Rottweiler in the house. His wife offered me um, sandwiches the, m- the moment I arrived, and um, she said, Terry, will be with you in a minute. He's just watching um, a film. And uh, the film went on, and she said, oh, no, maybe you ought to go in with Terry. So I actually watched a Cowboys and Indians film with Terry Herlock, uh, an ear-blistering volume. He didn't want to not watch the film. He did the interview with me while watching the film throughout. He didn't make eye contact with me once during the interview. I got the interview out of him, and I had a nice cheese and onion sandwich, and then I left, and I'm, I'm not sure he even saw I was there. Um, it was a, quite a fairly decent... He answered everything I said, but he was watching a Cowboys and Indians film, so um, that was surreal. It sounds quite strange, but obviously you didn't argue with him. No one ever, no one's ever lived to to, to say that they argue with Terry Erlock. Um, he is he is a, a true 
the word legend, um, as we had an argument last year on the podcast about the definition of a legend, and he is a legend in every description. He is a player the like of we will never, ever see again in Brentford's Red and White Stripes. He probably is more, he's probably warmer to Millwall than he is Brentford in the, over his career, but in that window of time, he was something very, very special, very special. Big afro curly haired gypsy with a huge earring um, who Brentford bought out of jail pretty much and um, he was the most ruthless almost barbaric player if you got on the wrong side of him but the most skillful wonderful passer of the ball he went on to play for Glasgow Rangers um, went to Reading after us sullied his books by playing, playing for Fulham but um, he, he, he was special and um, that, that, that midfield of Herlock and Bowles and Kamara um, and Bullivant and you know, um, Francis Joseph special, special mm. you know, but, but not special compared to today's team today's team will whip their asses. but Brentford fans of a certain age Herlock will always be framed on their wall McDan- yeah, it makes you makes you excited to hear that lineup, doesn't it? That makes you sort of you know sends a sends a little shiver down your spine. That doesn't it? You know. And elsewhere. Yeah, they were good. They, they, they were they, they were good. And, it's, and again, we're not comparing to the team today because much more technical, much more fit, everything like that. But the thing about it is there was a vibe about certain players as well, and then certain you know I mean we used to drink with these players in the bar after the after the match, so you kind of also got a relationship with them because they were doing oh, hello mate hello Bill how you doing right, Laney how you doing mate you know what I'm saying so there was like a different you know they used to come down the the, the new inn and the, they used to go down the pubs with us after the match. Some of them used to nick fags off me when I used to smoke. They used to say oh get, get, Dave you know give us a fag and I you know used to have a. Mobile light off me or something, you know. So it was they used to, it, it was a different different age, and the, the fans and the players. This is this is why we kind of hark back sometimes. The, the fans and the players and the club was it, it was a closer knit um, experience. Yeah, I mean, obviously, to, if you're going to get the peak of physical fitness and you can become athletes, you need to move away from all that. And you know, some 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 part of me thinking, oh, thank God we have. But you know, I'm, I feel I feel blessed and feel fortunate that we can we. Can sort of we can transverse that those eras where we we've seen we've seen it we with the Brent our Brentford is kind of back then too and, and you know it's, it's, it was good it was they were good days mate it was good and like I said we don't want to hark again I mean we've got Marcus Scale who did a hark um, hang the VJ and I remember he came down to um, he came down to that pub in Chiswick um, the, the, the one that's on the high street like you know the little one on the corner there which is yeah, still there you know the, no not even at the pack horse like you know I'm saying the one that is right beside uh, just on the end of the green like you know. He just came down to, and he came down there to meet us in the pub so that he could be interviewed by the fanzine, you know, and used to ring him up directly. Hello, mate, how you doing? You all right? Oh, you? you want to be interviewed? You want to come down? They'll all pop down there, level a couple of drinks with you, and then they'll just go off and do their business, like you know. So there was a there was a sort of a closer bond between the players and the fans back in there. I, I know things do move on. You've got you have got to know your history. You have to know your history to contextualise anything. You need to know where you've come from and who you are because your your DNA, your heart and soul of your football club isn't now. It's, it, it's, it's, it's grown through the last 125 years. Surreal Leo Sayer moment. Dan the man.
Um, so my biggest one is that I was uh, doing a bit of fundraising for my local scout group outside uh, Tesco's in Osterley. And suddenly, out of nowhere, Alan McCormack appeared. And it was like, what is going on here? And it was just absolutely surreal. And I managed to get a picture with him, but it was just a, a surreal one. And the other, the other bit... Wait, 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 wait. First of all, did you, did you, did you give him any money? I don't remember. I was too, I was too nervous. I was too nervous. I was too nervous to ask. I just got the picture and that was it. But the second one is the, uh, when we went up um, and I, um, I went out with a couple of mates in Chiswick and we ended up in the Pack Horse and Talbot and um, suddenly there's, there's a little bit of a dance floor there and then suddenly Clayton Donaldson and my French isn't very good, Tombs, Tamagi, Tamagi, Tamagi appeared and it's just like, hang on. And at this point, I'd had a couple of drinks, so I was a bit worse wear, and I, I proper played it cool. I didn't go up or anything, because I was, you know, I was inside. I just wanted to go up and hug them and say, yes, we're promoted, but I just held back, and it was just such a surreal moment. You're out drinking with your mates, you know, yeah. doing all sorts of things, and there's two professional football players, obviously just having one or two drinks just to let loose, but it was just a proper surreal moment just seeing them in a pub in Chiswick I, I thought you were going to say you asked him to dance yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, ju- I just stayed well clear because it's that classic drunk thing you'll go up to them and you'll just say something totally inappropriate so I just kind of hand back and just I think I did nod to Clayton just like a, a casual nod just but that was I just the old nod I just the didn't old I just didn't want to <clears throat> I have a surreal moment most weeks when I record this podcast, actually. I mean, that's, that, that, to me, is a surreal time. But I also, actually, this is going back dim and distant past as well, is that uh, I once sort of graffitied the back of the New Road stand. No, sorry. Sorry, the Royal, the, the Royal Oak. The Royal Oak in the, in the old days. Once, and, and me and a couple... Tagged it, me and a couple of men. Well, I wasn't tagging in those days. No, 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 We wasn't. I think it was something like broke for our best or whatever and got, and got, you know, and got roundly told off by local policemen who then the next Saturday, Sunday it might have been, when Brentford were away, turned up at the school fete that I was, at, that, that, that I was attending my, and came up to my mum, and I was there with my mum, and the local policeman, because it was a local Richmond copper in those days, who used to know everyone, everybody, and my mum, you know, knew, knew, knew the police for... for <laughs> this game worse and worse. She knew, she knew the police for legitimate reasons, not for legitimate reasons. <laughs> I'm digging myself in a hole here, aren't I? Anyway, anyway, and he said, and he said, ah, yeah, Mrs. C, nice to see you again. How are you? You, you well? I nicked your son last week for graffitiing the back of Brentford and I hadn't told her any about this and I can still remember the bollocking I got and she wouldn't let me go to Brentford for an entire six months because of that story. That's a sob story. Punished for a brilliant reward. (laughs) That's right. Uh, I I, I thought about a surreal moment but it's not as... uh, I had a surreal moment, an England moment when I walked into a bar in... uh, 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 on the way to uh, Nice and I, I walked into the bar Shaggy was in the corner and he went oh Miss Alova Alova you know that was <laughs> that was quite surreal because you don't really expect to find Shaggy on the way to an England match but my uh, surreal Brentford moment I've had to be um, back I in the day Shaggy was a cartoon character from Scooby Doo no, so you talking about? No, we talk about shagging me. So I love, I love, me so bombastic, come me fantastic. Yeah, no, 
So Nick, you can tell Nick, you know, he's been listening to too much Tchaikovsky. Anyway, <laughs> but anyway, we're talking about um, surreal moment back in the day again when Laney used to do the Elvis back in the day and uh, Dean Holdsworth, and I used to actually run the uh, Labatt's uh, Husky Rally Championship, and basically I used to organise a Rus Husky dog racing around the UK, as you do, <laughs> as you do. So I used to basically go around the country round about Christmas time uh, with about 300 or 400 dogs and I used to put this track up and they used to race around the forest at Christmas time and the husky dog racing. So I was the don of husky dog racing and the reason why I was also the don, and you probably wonder why I always like doing things in pubs here, but I used to go around with a Labatt's van which is stocked up with beer. Right, it was just took them, and the, the husky dog racing. It was brilliant, and we just used to pile out the beer. And on the Saturday night, after the guys had raced their dogs around the courses, I used to pull the beer out. We used to sit down to four or five o'clock in the morning and drink the bat spear till Christ knows what time. But anyway. As time goes on, Labatt said to me, I quite like the vibes that you're doing, so uh, I said, I'll see what I can hook something up. So I gave Dean Holdsworth a call one time, and uh, basically I just knew that his uh, wife at the time, Sam, was a husky dog racer. So we decided to do a besotted interview, but we, we tried to vibe up a little bit. We said, we, we need to stage it. It's be boring going down the pub, so let's go down to Hampstead Heath and let's husky dog race. So we went down to Hampstead Heath with Dean Holdsworth and his wife. <laughs> George Michael was there as well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and we went husky dog racing with Dean Holtz. Who was the lucky husky? Listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we've got so yeah, it's good. And we've got the photographs. We might actually post them up somewhere on the website or on, on, the, on the back of this uh, on this podcast here, just to prove that we actually went husky dog racing with Dean Holdsworth. And uh, it was all quite very surreal, sort of seeing him running around. Well, to, fit, I, to, to come full circle, uh, next year I want to go to Crufts with Kirschbaumer. Do you think he'll actually he'll go? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. So anyway, surreal moment brings it back to the 70s. And just quickly, we just want to just, just finish this off a little bit now because we've been talking quite surreal. I mean, obviously, Leon Sayer brings it back to the 70s because you know, he was a 70s singer, which a lot of the younger people out there may not remember that. But I know, Laney, this tugs a few sort of strings with you. Even if you might have been too young to remember the 70s, you might have seen, you know, these 70s programmes, 70s football matches, seen the horrible, you know, hairstyles and the big flares and stuff like that. Laney, what is it for you? Well, the 70s, I did, I did the big Brentford book of the 70s um, a couple of years back. So if you, if you, haven't, got, if you haven't got that, we'll, we'll stick a link up so that you can... You can buy it for a bargain price but we, I did a, I did an interview with Dan Tanner who was, who was the chairman of Brentford um, you know in the, in the later 70s 76 77 and he was he was a film a film star producer director came across from he was Yugoslavia and he was he was a player for Red Star Belgrade um, he bought a team in the States in California um, and he, he came over to he came over to, to England and he, he, he and he, he kind of hooked up with a load of 70s stars he had, you know, he, he knew the Eagles, Hotel California fame. They came down to Brentford one game, um, and as as he as he got involved with the club, he used to invite celebrities. We had like Michael Parkinson, Michael Crawford, Elton John, Rick Wakeman, who who, who was a chairman for a while. Um, status quo. They, they they all came into Brentford, and Brentford were awful. 
sport at the time. You know, this is before we went back. We were in the fourth division, the bottom tier. So this kind of 70s musical celebrity um, notoriety nonsense <laughs> has been going on since the 70s. So, so for, to see Leo Sayer there, it brought it right back. It's almost like we've gone full circle. Dan Tanner, I think, you know, he's still around. He's, a, he's an amazing, colourful guy. You know, I actually went to his restaurant in uh, LA. Actually, which is and I was Santana's restaurant. I was absolutely thrilled. I went to the toilet, and as I walked to the toilet, there's all this Brentford paraphernalia there. It's like photographs and all sorts of stuff from. And I was like, oh my god! And I was telling all the LA people, I was like, oh my god, look, this is this is Brentford. This is Brentford. And there's all the stories about all these LA stars walking in, going, hey Dan, how's Brentford? Like you know, Sylvester Stallone and all these people. I mean, it's funny because Mariah Carey was actually in there the day that I was there, just having a drink next door. It wasn't like it wasn't sushi. It was like, like red and white tablecloths. It was like proper down market, like yeah, yeah. little place. But it was absolutely brilliant. And I left my card at the time because that's what you do. And Dan, he wasn't there. And he called me a few weeks later. He goes, hey, Billy, I heard you was in downtown. How are you doing? And so I chatted to him for a bit, and he was very happy with me. He's a lovely, lovely bloke. And, you know, I, I knew him for I knew him quite well for a very short period while I was doing the Burton. He, but he, he would take me out. We went to the Chinese with him and his daughter. And, you know, he's a very friendly, very sociable, amazing bloke. And what pleases me most, we've been linked with all these 70s icons, none of which have been implicated in any police activity, which I'd say is a miracle. Yes, indeed. I know, listen, Dan the Man, I know you're a little bit young for this 70s action. I mean, we're all a little bit young here, but at the end of the day, we also watch a bit of television, so you kind of know what was going on there. I mean, is there anything 70s that you thought that should be brought back that you actually thought, actually, tell you something, I like a bit of that. Um, I think the, the, the proper 70s punk ethos, you know, um, I do like my, my, my music and I'm a big fan of The Clash, you know, I listen to The Clash quite regularly in the van, so I drive, drive van for work, so uh, yeah, that, that kind of, you know, punk ethos, you know. Yeah, I'd like punk football. Punk football. Punk football. <laughs> the, I mean, talking about Clash, Paul Slattery is um, a very good friend of Beside. Um, he, he he took some of the most amazing, beautiful photographs of the Clash. Um, we, we, we actually, we, 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 let's, let's let's get Slats involved. Let's get. A, He's going to get on hand the DJ most definitely. Let's get Slats involved, but let's get let's get some a series of his photographs up because um, you know he he, he 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 was fortunate enough to snap some the most amazing stars of that era. And uh, yeah, we should do a link to that actually, because 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 buying someone's lats photographs is really I- iconic stuff. Seventies for me is still walking around the ground, and I was just wondering whether any of those players went went you know from did they did they, any of those celebrities did they ever walk from the Ealing Road round to the New Road and round onto the Royal Oak at half time because that was the best bit, and that's what I really miss about the games now, not being able to move around the terraces. Not, not, not the scarves, you not the big scarves or anything like that. No. I, Scarves, Watford wankers, scarves. <laughs> there was someone who was knocking them out in the in the in the, in the Royal Oak. Yeah. You used to be able to buy Brentford, they were Brentford scarves yeah. that said Watford wankers on them, yeah. and people had them around their wrists. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, 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 and obviously there was um, there was a limited edition. I have one. I wish I had it now. It was like Brentford Lonsdale. Like, you know, we know where this is Lonsdale and across, the, but it's a Brentford London underneath. 
maybe we need to knock them out as well because they, they were that was quality. But can you can you imagine walking around now with 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 a with something on your wrist saying wanker? <laughs> wow. You can have them removed. <laughs> anyway, listen, as a little bit of reminisce back to the 70s, or even if you were too young, you could still just big television programs, the Sweeney, all these stuff. You, you, you can talk about it, but look, we've got a big game on Saturday, so let's forget all this nonsense we've been talking now. This is the important stuff we'll be talking about now, which is the Rotherham. We're playing the Rotherham, who can be a little bit of a bogey side for us now. We're going to talk to a man who knows everything about Rotherham. He's based up there, up north somewhere. Yeah, so Miller. He's a good geezer. We talk to him all the time. He's got a lot of knowledge. Let's hear what he's got to say. So Saturday, big game, big relegation six-pointer. Well, it's the Ian Holloway relegation six-pointer. We've got Rotherham playing Brentford, and they're both going down, according to the man who knows everything. <laughs> he does, but he does, yeah. He does, indeed. But listen, we thought, instead of us talking about the game and talking nonsense... We need to go to the man who knows everything about Rotherham and can tell us more nonsense. We've got the man, the Axo Miller. Yes. yes. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah, Very good. good mate. You're good, you're good. That's <clears throat> a little, good, bit man. Con- so little bit concerned about our start, but other than that, I'm fine. That's all right, mate. Well, you know, don't worry, mate. You know, you, 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 I'm sure you'll be all right in there, but look, I'm going to ask you. Saturday is a six-pointer, according to Ian Holloway. Are you quaking right. in your boots at the prospect of relegation if you lose? I'm not quaking at all. It's, I'm a little bit, I'll be a bit concerned if we do lose, but I mean, that's four games down and 42 to go. You know, it's, uh, but it's Brentford at home is a game we, we really ought to be looking to win, even at this early stage, I think, if we're going to stay up. So listen, you obviously, you look like you're absolutely, uh, you're mellowing for this game and you think, okay, you lost a couple of games, but you know, you're going to come back there and you're going to do the bees, but you've got a new manager. Last we have. season, you had Neil Warnock, you've got Stubbsy. Now, Stubbsy, he is no Warnock, is he? Is that big boots he has to fill? Big boots. Um, he's struggling a bit to engage with the fans at the minute. Um, I think two reasons for that. One, he took over in the um, close season when the, kind of in, the interest it does wane quite a bit. Um, and the other reason is he's very quiet. And some have said that he's a bit Redfern-esque, if that means anything to you. Yeah. In that he's very much like Neil Redfern, and we all know how that turned out. Yeah. And and I think they're worried that we've got another Neil Redfern, very quiet and measured, but mm, he's not Neil Warnock and he's not Steve Evans. Sounds like he's scared to me. <laughs> it, well, have you heard him? I mean, <clears throat> he always he always strikes me as though he's he's on the verge of tears. Actually, <laughs> 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 I'm sure he's not, but um, he always he always sounds like he's. He's just about to burst into tears and we all feel sorry for him and we all pat him on the back and we say, there's another game next week. Oh, well, I have to say, I hope he's burst into tears at five o'clock on Saturday. Anyway, but <laughs> we're absolutely smashing you in the celebrity stage, right? Not only can we claim Robbie from EastEnders, but we now have Leo Sayer on board, who we met in the pub yesterday. Yeah, right, Meanwhile, you right. have the Chuckle Brothers. Like, um, it's not that good for you on Saturday, if that's anything to go by. We've got Howard Webb and we've got Chris Wilson, almost the guitarist with Muse, you know. Big Rotherham United fan. I mean, is that all you can summon up? Some sort of Muse guy from about 40 years ago and some other person I've never heard of? Muse is a huge rock band. I mean, come on, it's Chris Wilson, he's a superb guitarist. Lives down your way, he lives in um, uh, Ealing Way, I think, somewhere, there, somewhere like that. Yeah. 
And Howard okay. Webb, I mean, he's a big Rotherham fan. He's at most of the home games when he's not uh, performing for BT Sport. Yeah, and he's not cheating. But listen, no, listen. I'll have, you know, <laughs> I'll give I'll give you that if that makes you feel better. But we'd rather take the three points on Saturday. But look, Brentford are on the back of a two-game mini streak. Okay. Yeah. And Rotherham on the back of a two-game losing streak. So yep. and the League Cup doesn't count, by the way. Um, so. Normally goes out the window. This is um, when form goes out the window with games like this. So, are you expecting to get your first three points against the mighty, mighty bees on Saturday? Completely. We're going to win this. Absolutely. I'm absolutely 100% certain we will win this. Um, I think it'll ignite the season. We've got a new guy playing for us on Saturday. He'll make his debut called a guy called Izzy Brown from Chelsea on a season-long loan. I'm told he's got lots of pace. And that's just what we need up front. And I do really fancy uh, a Miller's win on Saturday. Honestly, I do. But I, ho- I wish you all the best for the rest of the season, of course. OK, so you're confident you're going to get a win. Give us a score prediction, the at-home Miller. Score prediction, 3-1 to the Millers. No doubt about it at all. 3-1 to the Millers. Listen, Axum, I'm going to catch up with you Saturday. We'll have a couple of beers. Uh, after the game, I will tell you about your 3-1 which is going to be absolutely wrong, and uh, we can celebrate the fact that Brentford have got another three points. Well, well, before you go, what's your prediction? I said 2-0 to the Bees, the mighty mighty Bees. Okay. Enjoy yourselves. Have a good day. And I hope everything goes well for you after Saturday, okay? All right, mate. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Axel Miller, very, very confident he's going to get three points off the mighty, mighty bees. You're not happy with that, are you? Right, just words, mate. You know, he's just, he can be as confident as he wants on on the pod, but he's he's going to be wrong. You know, we're we're going to go there and we're going to do them. <laughs> I think he's probably saying exactly the same thing when he listens to this podcast back to you, lady. So, I mean, listen, boys, we're going to go around the table. But before we do it, I need to come back to last week. I mean, we forgot about the Nottingham game because that was just too much for us. We concentrate on the Ipswich game. We all had our predictions. And uh, I just want to know, how did everyone do in their predictions? Did, uh, did, uh, Nick? Um, I was I was slightly um, pessimistic. <laughs> well, wrong. Yeah, I, I'm never. No, I'm, ne- I'm never. I'm never. I'm never wrong. I just got the results wrong. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm never knowingly wrong, um, but I, 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 I wasn't accurate. Um, I, I, was less, I, I was less accurate than I would, I would have wanted to. So be. you thought we were going to lose? Yeah. You were going to lose. The Allied thought we were going to lose as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's only one, one of us thought they were going to win, and that was me. Well, I think it, I think it may, it may have been. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I thought we were going to win two 0 But yeah, you may have done. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, we're going to start with a new league table just because I've won this one. So. <laughs> So the league table means that you get one point for the result right and three points if you get it bang on. So I'm three points at the top of the table and all you lot uh, at the bottom of the table will be nil point. I'm feeling that. So listen, going around there now, we've got the Rotherham game. I'm hoping you're feeling a little bit more confident. Liberal Nick. Yeah, I am. I'm feeling more confident this week, so I think it'll be a one-all draw. Down the men. 2-1 Brentford. Oh, oh God! Every, every time, every time I'm really confident, we lose. And every time I'm really pessimistic, we win. So I'm really confident. I, I, I think, I think we need to right the wrongs of last year. And I think Hogan needs to go back and um, exercise some ghosts. Hogan busted his other knee when we when we last played played there. Exactly um, two years ago. Exactly two years. Yeah, and you know Brentford won that day. 
but you know we paid a bigger price. You know, Hogan, who is an immense player for us, um, you know, I'm sure he's actually part of him thinking I don't want to go back there, but hopefully he can go back there and score a hat trick. Um, yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say a draw actually. Um, I think I think we will win. Um, I'm hoping we're not going to lose, but I'm going to say a, I'm going to say a one-all draw, just because of my my, my fluctuating jinxness. When we are doing next week, you know, league table, Dave predict a draw because he sort of covered all the bases there on the basis that this time next week he'll be wanting to come back and say well actually I said we might win we might lose or we might draw for the record for the record for the record David Lane has predicted a draw next Saturday at Rotherham the the B I'm going to go back again because I'm mighty mighty confident that we're going to do the business 2-0 straight away bing bang bang see you later Gooly goo and all that business. 2 0 to the bees against the rubber room. So, listen, anyway, we're going to come at the back end of this. I know that um, there's a few things we want to talk about. We talked about a social that we're thinking about doing in uh, September for the site. It's been moved back to October. Just watch this space. We've got a little social. We're going to get everyone, people together. We're going to do a little event in a pub somewhere, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So, we just want you to all be down there and so we can all sit down there and enjoy ourselves in the evening and also talk Brentford. And, lady? Yeah, we're we're, we're, we, before we can announce that, we're waiting for the outcome of the um, planning consent and the um, planning permissions. <laughs> so we're going to obviously erecting something big. Yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. There's, there's got to be so many of you there that it's just got to be so huge. Yeah, that's right. I was going to say massive erection, <laughs> but I, I probably won't. No. It'll be, it'll be a good chance to spunk a lot of money in an evening on beer. Yeah. But, yeah. however, however, um, there's a lot of fans on a more serious there's a lot of fans that aren't happy about the gantry that's gone up um, the media gantry um, which reading between the lines and reading up on it we, as a club it wouldn't appear that we had a lot of say in the matter it was a council um, council's health and safety issue which um, we put out to tender and we we chose a, um, a, a company to, to build the gantry that needed to be done to meet several criteria however it would appear that maybe as many as four or five hundred Brentford season ticket holders or fans um, have had their their, their view ruined so um, you know I'm, I'm quite quite how you know you can you can build something like that and not even you know be concerned about the impact uh, to, to the fans or the, to people that are going to be able to view a football game it does beg a belief slightly I'm you know it's, you know like everything else is like two sides to every story they didn't build it on purpose just to screw up as many people as they could they didn't do it they didn't want to spend money for the sake of it but um, was there a better way of doing it? Is, is, is there a more see-through, transparent way of doing it? I don't know. Um, but you know, I, I would have I would have sat in those seats and 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 said, can you? What can you see? What can you see? Um, you, you, you need to. T- you know, you, you have to. You have to. It's a it's a consumer-led um, industry, and you have to take into consideration the, the punters at all times. Though uh, I've discovered that it doesn't affect uh, the Allard's tactical analysis, so we'll be we'll be able to uh, benefit from that in uh, future weeks. He'll be able to see what the formation is. But the other thing, actually, while we're on a serious note, Ginster's. Um, 
Cornish pasties seem to have their new advertising campaign is uh, food for hungry men, which we seem to have had forced on us as an advertising slogan, which they use um, as, a, as a billboard down at Brentford. Can, gangsters are peeing off 40% of their potential attendance that we have at Brentford by, you know, advertising for men only. It's not. It's a food for it's a food for everyone. Men only is something completely different. It, and and let us and, and, and you know and, and all what I would say on the club is can they please reject sexist advertising? Right, yeah, so the, the Liberal Nick's gone out there. It's quite a serious subject as well, uh, and, and I think there's a, there's a fair point that's going out there. Maybe you want to debate that, tweet there, put that on Facebook and see what you think about that. Are the women out there thinking ginsters? I ain't going to eat ginsters because, to be quite honest with you, it's rubbish anyway, and it's only for men, and I don't eat ginsters because I prefer better pies, and maybe ginsters probably won't be happy if I talk to them about that. But anyway, that's not the point. But listen, let's move it on now because Saturday is a big game, and we're going to play Rotherham. I'm looking forward to going to Rotherham. I didn't go there last season because mm, I don't always look forward to going to Rotherham but this year it's so early this season I am looking forward but we actually might be looking at a different pub now we've been given a few options into town Cutlers is one of the places that's been suggested so we might pop in there as well as the pub on the bridge which is probably called the bridge as well the bridge in as well but the old Cutlers as well is, oh, is a bit of an old place so we might pop in there so let's see how it goes but this is the besotted Pride of West London podcast it's been a pleasure thank you very much for listening to us we really appreciate you listening all the views that you put in all the comments that you put in and uh, people coming up to us all the time in the pubs and around the ground saying that you enjoy the show so thank you very much if you could subscribe to us if you can um, also um, go on iTunes and, and, and just give us reviews and stuff like that we'll very very much appreciate it we thank you very much for all the guests in here today I'm Billy Grant and also I've got the Liberal Nick who's incredibly liberal you can tell he's most relaxed I've got Dan the man thank you very much for being the guest for the first time Dan hope you you enjoyed the show today? Yeah, enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Hope to come back soon. No worries, man. I've got Lainey, the man. Lainey as well. You'll be on the train with me Saturday up to Friday, actually. We're going up on Friday. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. We're going up on Friday via Manchester to Rotherham, aren't we? Yeah, Leo Sayer's playing. <laughs> that's, that's right. We're going to a Leo Sayer gig in the middle of a field somewhere. It's only me and Lainey and uh, his Leo. mum invited. <laughs> but anyway, it's my mum. <laughs> I feel like Anyway, listen, dance is hard away. All we'll say is that Saturday we need three points. We're three points, we're right in there, and then it's going to be the international break. And you know what happens in international break? When we come back from international break, we are completely and utterly unstoppable. So if we're unstoppable before the breaks, see you later. But we're going to say that, we're going to say we're in Hammersmith. Thank you very much to the Steelers. It's an absolutely wicked pub. I love this. They've got the old music up in the top door as well. What's it, Wednesday nights? They've got the music, um, the, 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 the open mic, the acoustic open mic. It's wicked. I really do like this pub. pub. Really, 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 really good pub. We'll probably be back here quite soon. But as we can say this, as we say, come on, everybody. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.